Where do I start? How do I train recall? How long should we work on healing before moving on? Is crate training really that important? We hear these questions all the time and there's one answer that will help with all of them. The complete step-by-step dog training course found at Standing Stone Supply. They break down the what, when, where, and how to train your own dog from eight weeks to one year old. They've got it all laid out for you down to even the daily activity checklist to keep you and your puppy on track. Check out standingstonesupply.com and remember to use code GDIY to save 10%. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. GDI Wives is a bonus episode hosted by Kylie Caldwell. These episodes focus in on the fastest growing demographic of the dog world and hunting industry in general, women. Kylie is having fun and relatable conversations with other women who have trained and hunted their own dogs and what it was like getting started. These women live the life and prove every day that they don't hunt or train dogs just because of their boyfriends or husbands. They don't do it because they're hunters' wives. They do it because they love it and married to the sport lifestyle and most importantly their dogs all right good evening everyone this is kylie with gdi wives tonight we are joined with my friend terry ann fernando hey terry ann how are you doing i'm good how are you i'm doing good um hey before we jump and dive into this podcast i wanted to first congratulate you on you and zara's master hunter um, that you guys just did. I think it was in North Carolina. Where uh, was- yeah, we were actually in South Carolina this weekend, but thank oh, you. Okay. Well, awesome. So how many more do you have to complete that title? Uh, we have three passes and we need two more. Oh, wow. Well, awesome. I just want to start out by telling you congratulations and we're going to kind of dive in now. And um, the first thing that I want you to talk about is um, to just tell us a little bit about yourself um, and how you got entered into this crazy bird dog world. Okay. Um, so like Kylie said, my name's Terry Ann and I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. I have a seven-year-old Vishla named Zara. I also have a three-year-old Rhodesian Ridgeback named Columbo, but he does not hunt birds. <laughs> no, and- he does. Uh, <laughs> what's that? Uh, the fast cat. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's like a short kind of lure coursing. <laughs> he likes to hunt the plastic bags. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so Zara and I uh, kind of got into this world a little bit late, but she's doing really good now, and um, we've really been enjoying learning together. Awesome. All right. Well, the first thing, um, which you mentioned her name, and you mentioned what breed she is, but tell us a little bit about how you ended up with the Vishla, what attracted you to that breed? So um, about, I guess in 2012, uh, my now husband, Chris and I were dating at the time and he was really interested in getting a dog and I was not, I was, (laughs) (laughs) they were too much work and I just really had zero interest in it. And every time we'd see a dog on the street, he would be like, oh, look, that's such a nice dog. And I would be like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) So we had friends that had a a rescue dog uh, that we were very close with. And one day they went to the dog park with their dog and they came over to our house afterwards. And they started telling us about this dog that they saw at the dog park that was leaping over a four foot fence. And they were just (laughs) amazed by this dog. So they asked the owners, you know, what breed is this dog? And they said it was a Vishla. So oh, they, were, okay. they were telling us this story and we were like, what the heck is a Vishla? So we Googled it and I'm sure we didn't spell it correctly, but somehow <laughs> it came up <laughs> and, you know, it said they were this high energy breed that was bred to hunt birds and they made a great 
they make great running partners. And my husband and I, and I both run and we were, if we were going to get a dog, we wanted to have it be one that we could run with. So my husband was like, oh my gosh, this is our dog. This is the dog we need, a Vishla. Like, <laughs> this is awesome. And I was like, I don't know about this. This seems like a lot of work, <laughs> way too much work. You weren't convinced yet. <laughs> I was not convinced at all. Um, but then over, you know, we started doing more research and obviously Vishla's are very cute. So that helped the cause. Uh, and just the more and more research we did, uh, we started, I started getting more interested and we were able to find a nice reputable breeder. And eventually we brought home Zara in December of 2013 to be our new running partner. Okay. Awesome. Well, that sounds like a kind of crazy turn of events after getting to know you for the last few years. And I didn't know that you didn't even want a dog. So that's pretty funny. As we get into this, uh, people will hear how much love you have for Zara and how much you really, truly like dogs and, or I should say love dogs now. So that's kind of funny actually. <laughs> yeah. And we joke now because like my husband thinks Zara is, you know, sometimes a lot, you know, she's just very energetic and always wants to do stuff. And I'm like, well, you're the one that wanted the Vishla. So you can't yeah, this me. Is, this is all your fault, Chris. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> So kind of walk us through, so you, you decided on the Vishla, how, I guess, how did you pick the breeder? You guys did a lot of research on Google and um, I know for me, and when I talk to our puppy owners, people are like, oh, I Googled you or I looked you up on Facebook and I'm always interested to know like how they found out about us, you know, if it's just the internet or if someone recommended or how do you, how did you find and um, how'd you find your breeder? How did you guys select her or him? Yeah. So um, her name's Jane Baker. She's with Trailside Vishlas and she lives in Northern Virginia. And we really just got lucky. Um, I did a bunch of Google searches and talked to a couple of different people in the area because we lived in Washington, D.C. at the time. Um, okay. So pretty close so, then. Yeah. So she was local to us and she... At the time, I didn't really understand what a reputable breeder was, but thankfully we kind of stumbled across her and, you know, after talking to her and she had us fill out a questionnaire and, you know, talked about like the health testing she did with her dog and her dogs were very involved in field trials. Um, we felt like it was a good fit. And she also, I am a graphic designer and she's also a graphic designer. <laughs> oh, awesome. So you guys clicked then right off yeah. the bat. And at the time her her and my husband both worked at the same company <laughs> coincidentally. Oh, wow. That's crazy story. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. um, so yeah, she was breeding her dog, uh, to a big field trial champion dog. And we were like, cool, you know, we don't want to hunt, but we just want to, you know, a running partner and a companion. So. Awesome. Well, everybody keep that in mind for the rest of the story. Terry Ann just brought up a really good point. She wanted a dog that was her, a companion and most important, a running companion because her and her husband had done a lot of running and marathons and such. Maybe not marathons, but um, half marathons. Half, okay, <laughs> half marathon. Sorry, <laughs> let's be correct on that. But keep that in mind that she specifically said she wasn't really interested in hunting, and we'll we're gonna come and circle back to that. Um, so kind of tell us a little bit. So you bring Zara home. And kind of walk us through some of the stuff um, when she was a puppy that you that you did with her. Yeah. So when we brought Zara home, I was by this point, I was super ready to have a puppy. I'd done all this research. I was, you know, I was gung ho at that point. <laughs> <laughs> you were sold. <laughs> I was ready. So um, we our breeder did temperament testing on the dogs. Uh, we did not get to pick Zara. She picked us, picked her for us. And oh, okay. Okay. Since we were not a hunting home, she picked Zara for us because Zara did not show any hunting instincts as a puppy, uh, which we were fine with because we didn't want to hunt. Um, now, I'm going to stop you real quick. So I don't know if she told you and she might not have at the time, but was it just because she wasn't like interested in the birds when she took the puppies out maybe? Or um, was there a specific thing or things that um, the breeder kind of looked at to be like, okay, this dog's definitely doesn't have that, the hunting qualities that an owner would want. Did, did she tell yeah. you that or? Yeah, there were two things. So there was one thing she brought, um, she had a pigeon that she, you know, had in her yard for the dogs to, you know, point or, you know, show interest in or not that okay. she had attached to a string. And she told us that Zara was not interested in the pigeon, but she was very interested in the string. <laughs> 
Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. And then when she did the like more formal temperament testing, we actually were able to watch that process and um, she brought in an evaluator and they had this big room that they had filled with a whole bunch of different toys and like different surfaces and like crinkly textures. And they were looking at how the puppy responded to each thing and how they, um, you know, kind of reacted. And they also had a whole bunch of fur toys, like real fur. And one of the puppies, uh, Zara's sister, she was crazy about the fur toys. Like they were like, oh, wow, she has a huge prey drive, you know, not that that's <laughs> necessarily like a one-on-one connection, but sure. Zara, Zara didn't really show an interest in those either. Oh, okay. All right. I was just curious just to know if the breeder actually told you or um, you guys didn't really know. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, so kind of walk us through, you know, you bring her home and what do you start doing with her? Uh, so we, I was really focused on socializing her and taking her lots of places, you know, safely, of course, before she had her shots. So, uh, we would go to lots of different stores. We would have people over. Uh, we eventually started taking classes and we started doing clicker training with her, uh, which is a reward-based training. And we were just really focused on having her be like a really well-mannered dog and a companion and someone that we, some you know, a pup we could take with us wherever we wanted. So, um, with the running, most vets recommend that you shouldn't start running with your dog until their growth plates have closed, which is typically anywhere between a year and two years, depending on the size of the dog. So when Zara was younger, we couldn't run with her until she was about a year. So that was a little tough waiting for so long since we had gotten her to run with, but, um, I, I bet <laughs> I remember, um, when we, when I got Falco, the vet said the same exact thing. And I was like, well, I won't really be running with him. We're going to do, you know, hunting and, and testing and things like that. But because he was so big, they even actually recommended, um, to feed like large breed because of the growth plates, because how big mm-hmm. he was. And we've had actually a lot of clients and, and, and puppy owners that we tell that to. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's important. Um, you know, you did get the dog for, you know, the purpose of running with her, but knew that, okay, we have, we have to wait. We got to be patient, um, to make sure that she's healthy and, and doesn't get hurt. So that's, you bring up a good point. Right. And I mean, when she was young, I wish we had spent more time trying to teach her how to like walk nicely on a leash slash run nicely on a leash. But (laughs) that at the time was just kind of above my head because she's, you know, her tendency was just pull. She's an energetic bishla. Um, So that would be something I wish we could have, you know, worked on a little better when she was younger, but oh well. (laughs) And now she's older. So most likely, you know, I, I think even as they grow older, they still love that. Just they have to be in charge. They have to be in the lead. I know Sassy's like that. She's just got to be that one little head in front <laughs> of my kneecap. And I'm like, really? Like you're seven. Are you ever going to just heal perfectly at my side? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Zara's healing is definitely still a work in progress. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is. And uh, maybe it's my dog's name, you know, has a little something to do with it or I just you know maybe never focus so much on that and training but it's just like really dog like come on (laughs) just heal next to me please yeah (laughs) um so with that did you guys use like a harness or um you know at that time she everything was probably new because uh let's back up a little bit so Zara um was a dog that you purchased, but did you have any dogs like growing up or was this your first, um, like sporting hunting breed or let's, let's go back there a little bit. Yeah. So I did have a few dogs growing up. Um, my parents got a beagle when I was 10, uh, that we did not really train, Oh boy! (laughs) but she was a sweet dog. And then they, she passed away when I was in high school and then they got another one when I was in college. So I definitely had experience, you know, kind of training dogs tricks and, you know, I knew like how to take care of dogs. I had done some pet sitting and stuff, but I had never, certainly never raised a sporting dog. Um, and you know, never had my own dog. And, um, my husband had had a dog when he was younger too, but you know, hadn't had a lot of recent experience either. Okay. So walk us through a little bit. So, um, you're starting to get ready to, um, train czar to become your, you know, running buddy, um, along with your husband. Um, so 
walk us through kind of what that entailed. Like, did you use a harness to help? Did you have a prong collar? What kind of things um, did you use to help kind of, I know you said, and I, I said it too, that, you know, these dogs still don't like to heal the greatest, but what, what things did you do to kind of get Zara prepared to start running with you? So honestly, we didn't really do a whole lot. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> um, I mean, we, when it was time for her to start running, she, we, like I said, we, we never really taught her to like run next to us. Her tendency was to pull and we just let her. So <laughs> we bought a harness and a, a leash that went around our waist and it was like, oh okay, my goodness. So. <laughs> that must've been good when you went up hills though. Hey dog, let's pull me up this last bit of this hill. I'm struggling. <laughs> yes, exactly. Downhill, a little more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. Oh my goodness. But, the, but the good thing about Zara though, and this I think is maybe somewhat characteristic of the breed is when it, she was running, she was very focused on it kind of naturally. Like it was her, she didn't try to stop and sniff every bush. Like once you're running, like she was like very focused, like she could go, you know, later on when we built up mileage. I mean, she could go five, 10 miles without, you know, really, you know, getting bored or anything. Like she was just in the zone. Oh, wow. That's, that's pretty remarkable because I just think about trying to Sort of, I say sort of run with Falco because I hate running. So <laughs> if we're doing like, um, Scott's always trying to do the whole like show dog and like, you're kind of like not really running kind of like a, a jog sort of. And when we do yeah. that and he's just like, literally has his head down sniffing everything. And I'm just <laughs> like, dude, like, come on, I'm trying to, we're trying to go here. And he just, no, sniff, sniff, sniff. And then he'll want to pee on everything. And I don't know if that's just because he's a male or what, but it's, it's a struggle. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of, okay. So you get this puppy and you start running with her. What other things, I guess, as she's getting older, do you start getting involved in? Um, so I was really interested in getting her canine good citizen certification, which is a title from the AKC that kind of just certifies that they're like a well-mannered dog. It can be around people and other dogs because, after we'd had her for a while, I realized that she was, she just loved people. And I thought that she might make a good therapy dog. So I was interested in getting the CGC because I wanted to go on and do therapy work with her. Okay. So, um, for everybody that doesn't know, if you just explain, I, and if you don't remember, it's okay too, but, um, some of the tasks that they have to do, um, during that testing or I guess prior to, and then when you actually complete the test. Yeah. So the CGC, I think it's 10 tasks and it's, okay. um, there's like a sit and a down. They have to walk through a crowd. Uh, they have to like kind of ignore a loud noise. Like they'll drop a pan or something or like clap really loud near the dog's face. Um, they have to be greeted by a stranger. So someone will come up to them and they have to like sit politely for petting uh, oh, wow. Okay. Some have. of those sound very challenging <laughs> for these kind of dogs. <laughs> yes, they can be. And so Zara actually failed the CGC test two times before she passed it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but now, there, is, <laughs> is there like a, is there an age requirement for this or can they do it anytime during their life or? There's is, definitely not a maximum. I don't think there's a minimum to be, I don't oh, think there's any okay. age requirement to be honest. Um, okay. So, I tested her, I think first, maybe around 15 months and then maybe 18 months. And then after the second fail, we took some time off. <laughs> <laughs> took, a little, took a little break. And I and, mean, just think about that 15 months, that's pretty young. And I mean, just going back to the origin of the dog, um, you know, she, she was a sporting breed. She is a sporting breed. So, and you mentioned, you know, her having a lot of energy. So I'm sure some of those tasks, like I know with just thinking about my dogs at that age, like Falco would be trying to jump on yes. everybody. <laughs> like, Oh, come, I want to say hi to you. And just like, you know, how tall he is, he'd be like licking everybody's face. They're like, no, you can't be doing that. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. that, I'm sure that was difficult. And the main thing she failed was what is the last task called supervised separation. So oh. you have you have to leave your dog with the tester person for three minutes while you go out of the room or wherever. And they have to stand there, sit there nicely, and they can't like freak out. So they can kind of whine a little bit, but they cannot start crying. And 
you know, Vishlas are known as Velcro dogs. They always want to be with their handler or their owner. So they want to be right by your side. I just couldn't handle that. She would just, after a couple, you know, 30 seconds, she'd be yelping. (laughs) Oh, poor thing. (laughs) Okay. Well, I, I haven't done that with any of the dogs. I looked into it. Um, back when I first got Zach, my rescue dog, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know about this. He's, he's squirrely. I'm not sure about his temperament or any of that stuff. And he, and I didn't even have papers on him. So, but I remember looking into it, um, just cause you know, I think it's a great idea. And like you said, you wanted to uh, potentially use her as a therapy dog. So it's definitely, um, beneficial to have that if you're going into like nursing homes or hospitals mm-hmm. with her because they have to have manners and they can't be acting like a wild banshee in those places so <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's important okay well so we've kind of talked about bringing her home um kind of the next step so what you were kind of working on um and also running with her so we're going to start talking a little bit about um how you got into NAVDA, like what brought you to our chapter? Um, I know you've been involved with Tar Heel now for three and a half, three almost four years. years. Yeah. So let's kind of talk about that. Like, how did you find out about us? And let's talk a little bit about that. Okay. So that's a little bit of a long story, I guess. Um, (laughs) No problem. (laughs) So as I mentioned, you know, we had no interest in hunting. We got Zara. But when she was about a year old, our breeder, who did field trials with her dogs, was like, hey, there's this um, hunt test coming up. You know, maybe you'd like to enter Zara into the junior hunt test. And I was like, "Okay, sure, I guess. By that point, I was, you know, I just thought it was something fun to do with my dogs. So we met up when she was about um, 13 months, my breeder and I, and she had brought some quail and we went to a local wildlife management area where you could bring your dog and she put out the quail and you know we put out Zara this was our first time on live birds and she <laughs> was very hesitant around them she was actually kind of scared of the birds <laughs> and oh no <laughs> <laughs> she did point but kind of tentatively and um my breeder fired the blank pistol and Zara was kind of like I don't know about that <laughs> oh no for sure um, yeah. <laughs> so that was her first first contact with the birds and you know it went okay but it wasn't like anything amazing exactly. and then yeah and then we tried to get into the hunt test that fall but they were full so we couldn't get in um but i was like eh, what a you know not a big deal so then a couple months later um i think she was about 15 16 months we met up again in the um, spring to do another bird training session because there was another hunt test coming up so okay. we did the same thing and she was definitely starting to be a little more enthusiastic, kind of, you know, less nervous and pointing a little more convincingly. Okay. And then that hunt test got canceled. So <laughs> I didn't get into that. Darn. One My <laughs> goodness. As a snow, it was snowing. <laughs> um, so then, uh, you know, more time goes by and by the time she's two, we still haven't, she's only been on birds twice and there's another hunt test coming up again. <laughs> <laughs> So my breeder actually, instead of, you know, meeting up together, she suggests that we go to this field trial that they were having in Maryland. They had what's called a hunter's stake, which is a special stake that they don't usually have in hunt tests. Um, It was basically any dog could be entered if they didn't have any placements or they were, you know, it was basically like an amateur type stake because Zara Zara was over two at that point, which means she didn't qualify for the derby stake, which is um, AKC's like, you know, young, young dog stake. Yeah. Okay. So we entered into that and, um, you know, Zara and I set off in the field and she's hunting around doing whatever, you know, not really looking for birds. <laughs> she's on, she's on a walk at this point. <laughs> yeah. She's on, a, she's off leash. So she's happy, but you know, um, so then she eventually finds a bird and then I couldn't really get it to fly. And I was having all this trouble, like shooting the blank pistol because it had a really hard trigger. And the judges were looking at me like, who are you? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> What's wrong with this here? <laughs> so eventually the bir- a bird flies and Zara, like, it's like a light bulb goes off. Like she takes after that thing, like, oh, that's what I'm looking for. And she just, after that is like hunting like crazy. And when it's time to leash her up, she does not want to stop hunting. (laughs) (laughs) 
So then after that, we finally get into that hunt test again. This is now, um, she's two, this is December of 2015. And I, you know, I go there, I have zero expectations. I barely even know what the, tr- you know, the criteria are that they're judging us on. <laughs> we, we go, I let Zara loose and she just does amazing. Like she finds bird after bird. She's pointing these birds. She's running around hunting. She's hunting with her brace mate. And at the end of the day, she gets perfect 10 scores, which I later wow. learned from the judges that is very unusual. And I'm not saying that to brag just to show that she, you know, she kind of had this natural ability all on her own. Um, Very true though, because I remember doing this with Sassy and she was a lot younger, but the big thing that you hit on there is they're with a bracemate. Now Zara was a little bit older, but still she probably Mm -hmm. had never ever hunted with another dog. um, Let alone, you know, in AKC, there's so many different breeds um, that, Mm -hmm. that are able to do that junior hunter test. And, um, that's amazing that she was able to just go out there. Cause what happens usually a lot of the times, and I've seen it from watching when, when Sassy was a puppy. Um, and even, I think maybe one of her tests, um, she did this, but the dogs will go out there. And I remember Rob Walker telling me like, you got to keep, you got to keep Sassy away from the other dog. You got to keep her away. You got to go this way. And a lot of times the dogs will go out there usually cause they're young, but even was being that age and she had never done it they'll want to look to the other dog and they think they're out there having fun and playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's pretty remarkable that she was able to do that. Cause like I said, a lot of the dogs will try to just go and, Oh, they're out there having fun. And the, the owners will not know what to do. And you were able to, you know, control her and she was able to find birds and, um, that's what it's kind of all about. So that's awesome. Yeah. So then we went back the next day and she managed to get 10 out of 10 again. <laughs> Um, oh, wow. That's, oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was just, you know, I was like, oh, wow, this is pretty cool. <laughs> that was my first, you know, like, I guess, entry into the bird dog world. Um, and then we, a couple months went by. And then in March of 2016, we did two more junior hunter tests and she got her uh, junior hunter title and she did well at those as well. And then after that, I was kind of like, okay, well, you know, where do I go from here? Because, I knew that if I wanted to train her for a senior hunter or master hunter or field trials, it was going to be a lot of work. And I initially was not sure if that was something I wanted to do because, you know, I, I knew my breeder, but I didn't really know a lot of people in the bird dog world. I didn't have any experience doing it. Um, and I knew I didn't want to send her away to a trainer. Like she was, you know, she was my baby. <laughs> there was yes, no way I was, she was sending her away. <laughs> yeah. She was like your kid. And, I know that's a lot of people when they bring their dogs here with us. That's like the first comment, like, I don't think I can do this. And they sometimes have a a hard time with it. But and then others don't um, because maybe it's a little bit of a break or vacation from from the dog, especially when they're young. But that's awesome. So let let me stop you right there for just a second. So um, now you're starting to get into the junior hunter. Um, you've, you've completed that title, the AKC title with her. Um, and you're like, okay, this is really cool. So let me, I'm going to back you up one more time and mm-hmm. talk about, because we're going to lead into this about, you know, growing up, were you, were you ever involved in any type of hunting? Um, your family, did they hunt? Um, let's kind of start there and, and kind of go from there. Okay. And I also promise I'll eventually get to the net, how I joined NAPTA. Sure. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll ask this and then I want you to tell me. Okay. So, so yeah, so growing up, I had really zero exposure to hunting. Um, my, no one in my family hunted. Um, my dad hunted as a kid or maybe as a young adult with his father, my grandfather. And actually my grandfather, uh, had a kennel of dogs and he competed in field trials with beagles. So oh, <laughs> it wow. turns, out it, turns okay. out it is in my genetics. <laughs> okay. But, well, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. By the time I was born, my dad just had other interests. And the only person I knew that did hunt was my uncle, my mother's brother. And he had two Britneys when I was growing up and he hunted deer and ducks and maybe birds with them. I'm not entirely sure, but okay. awesome. we, we just, you know, had zero exposure to it. Yeah, no, and I think this is important because now we're going to get back into the original question about, okay, so you've completed your AKC Junior Hunter title, 
with Zara. So now I want you to tell everybody how you got to Tar Heel, Navi. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, so once the junior hunter was done, you know, I thought a little bit about it and I was like, you know what, I really think I want to keep training with Zara because I felt like, you know, I had this dog who had a lot of talent and, you know, I just, I didn't want to waste it. Like I was, you know, I was like, what if I never have a dog like this again? Like it, you, you know, this might be a one of a once in a lifetime opportunity, you know, I can't waste it. So, um, so I, at the time we had just moved to Raleigh, North Carolina from DC. So I didn't really know anybody, but I started looking around the internet, doing searches, trying to find, you know, bird dog trainers or anywhere I could train her and was just really coming up empty. And uh, after about a year or so of just kind of fumbling around and doing hardly anything with Zara, um, I found, you know, I, I was at the dog park and I was talking to this guy in a Brittany and he mentioned that he was in NAVDA and you know, he was telling me a little bit about it. And I looked up on the website and there was all this stuff about water work and ducks. And <laughs> I was like, "Ugh, this looks like a lot of work. I just, I, cause I was very convinced at the time that I just wanted to do walking field trials with Zara, which just involved finding birds, pointing and no retrieving. Cause I did not own a gun. I had no interest <laughs> in shooting a gun. I didn't want her to have to <laughs> you know, retrieve a bird. So I was like, I just want to do field work. I don't know about this NAVDA thing, but then after so much time had gone on where I just was not finding anywhere to train, I just got kind of fed up and I was like, you know what, let me just check out NAVDA. Let me just see how it is. So in August of 2017, I reached out uh, on Facebook and I think talked to Nate, who is our treasurer now. And was oh like, boy. Hey. <laughs> and he was very welcoming. <laughs> and I said, Hey, can I come to the training day? And he was like, yeah, just come. And, um, so I showed up, uh, on the training day and was totally taken aback by the number of large pickup trucks and everyone <laughs> with their <laughs> um, dog crates and bird boxes and, you know, four wheelers. And I was there in my tiny little hatchback Honda fit with my dog in the backseat. <laughs> I'm pretty and sure too. And I can't remember. I think we were there. I don't know if we were still in Sweden. I think Scott was still maybe, but yeah, I I'm, think you were there. Okay. And I remember I'm like, okay, who's this lady? She's she's coming in this little car and she's got this <laughs> beachla. And Zara comes out and I'm pretty sure she had some type of clothing on. I don't know if you remember what, but I'm like, she probably um, did. I'm not sure if she's in the right place right now. <laughs> yeah, I think I had on like pink rain boots and <laughs> I don't even know what, but um, I definitely felt very out of place. But that first training day, everyone was so welcoming and just so nice and, you know, telling me about NAFTA that I was totally sold. I was like, I'm joining the chapter. I'm coming back. I was definitely convinced that I was not going to do any NAFTA testing, but I was <laughs> like, well, <laughs> at least I can access birds and we can do field work and it'll be great. <laughs> and, and the big thing there is that you had said previously, you know, you had your breeder as a resource, but you didn't really have, um, you know, I'm not sure. I know your husband um, and you ran together and such and, and still run together, but, you know, you didn't really have that support system per se, you know, a group of people to help with Zara um, that kind of had like mind interest at that time. So for, for you, it was like, yeah, jackpot. Cause now I have some people <laughs> that can help me and maybe they've been doing this a little bit longer. So I have them as, you know, a resource to be able to, to help me train Zara. Yes. And side note, um, for this podcast, I love the term GDI wives, but in my case, it's not appropriate because my husband <laughs> has nothing to do with hunting or <laughs> training Zara. <laughs> we'll, we'll blame Nick on that because this is all Nick's idea, but, um, you know, most of this podcast, I'm going to veer off a little bit here, but is honestly like women telling their stories um, and it necessarily doesn't have to be your, you know, your husband or boyfriend hunts or anything like that. It's honestly just me talking to either my good friends or people that I've kind of met along the way and sharing their stories um, about their bird dog um, and, and getting into hunting. Cause we're going to find out here very quickly that when you first got Zara, you know, you had grown up, your dad hunted when you were, when you were younger, um, but you weren't really a, 
um, exposed to it after that. So, you know, just knowing that and then kind of we're going to get into it in just a minute. But, you know, your progression um, and, and just hearing the stories, um, I think, is the is the biggest thing. So um, we'll have to give Nick a hard time about that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but so you come to Tar Heel um, and, you you know, you start training Zara. And um, like you said, in the very first sentence of why, you know, you kind of came to Tar Heel, you weren't really interested in testing her, but kind of walk us through um, where it kind of changed in your mind of when you're like, okay, you know what? I think I want to try. So at this point she was too old to do the NA test. So she could have right. done it, but it was, it would have been just for an evaluation. Um, and for mm-hmm. people that don't know a lot about NAVDA, you can test a puppy until they're 16 months of age. Um, and then after that, it's just for an evaluation. If, if the chapter allows and if there's room for, for that dog to test. So kind of walk us through um, when it changed and clicked in your mind, like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to try this testing out. Yeah. So when I first joined, um, Zara was almost four. So she was definitely too old for NA. And at the time she really, she wasn't steady at all. She did not retrieve. And she, (laughs) I had, I don't even think she'd seen a duck like besides in a random pond or something. Um, (laughs) So, I'd say over the next year or so, I really was not super serious about training. I went, you know, I was very religious about going to the training days and we did feel work and we were kind of trying to work on steadiness, but I don't think I really had like any sort of grand plan or anything. I was just gotcha. us- okay. using a checkboard and the word whoa, a check cord and the word whoa and <laughs> not really <laughs> knowing what it meant, but you were trying. <laughs> I was trying. Um but then we started doing some, you know, just being a training day, you know, we, we started trying out the like steady by the blind, um, retrieve of duck sequence and Kazar would retrieve the like Dokin, which is a fake duck toy thing. Um, not to hand, but she would go get it and bring it back close <laughs> enough. <laughs> um, and she was, by that point she was pretty obedient. So like the staying in place and standing through the gunshot, she was actually pretty good at so that was helpful. And then we also tried duck search and she, she did have an interest in kind of going out and searching around looking for ducks. I mean, again, she wouldn't pick one up, but she was definitely interested, which was cool. Um, definitely. Yep. So I'd say <laughs> for, not, for not ever being exposed to them, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then I'd say, I guess after about a year after I joined NAVDA, I started like, you know, maybe I should start thinking about teaching her to retrieve um, because obviously a lot of NAVDA is retrieving and, you know, I would just be in the field and the gunners would shoot the birds for me and Zara would run over to them and just point them again. She wouldn't pick them up. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so I started doing that in the summer of 2018 and I did not want to do the typical force fetch, you know, ear pinch, toe hitch type thing um, because I was worried that she would not like it and I would not be able to do it. (laughs) So it's, it's challenging. (laughs) Um, It, you know, you, and you mentioned the two methods and those are the most, I'd say most popular, but, and for anyone, and I may just be kind of throwing something out there, but from some of the Vishlas that we've trained and just seeing just like some other breeds, their temperament's a little bit different. And sometimes Vishlas are known for not being able to take pressure like other breeds, not just not to generalize or anything that Vishlas are these soft dogs, but the ones that I've seen um, don't take well to those things. So um, not trying to throw them under the bus or anything like that, but you know, you realize that you're like, okay, I can't do these methods. What method am I going to use to get this dog to retrieve and bring me back a bird or a duck or whatever it may be? Right. So she was, is, and always has been very food motivated. And like I said, we had done a lot of things using the clicker. So I decided to start clicker training her to hold a bumper and, you know, start picking it up. So Started doing that kind of off and on. I was not, it was, you know, it was definitely very slow. I mean, she was five at this point, so it was not something she took too naturally. And I wasn't always super consistent about it, but she did love food. And, you know, she definitely was, 
you know, willing to work with me. So that was good. Um, so we started doing that over probably a period of six months. And I talked to my friend, Emily from short hairs and shotguns, and she had done something similar with her dog blitz. So she was kind of giving me some advice on, you know, how to get Zara to actually go pick up something. So you know, probably about, I'd say six months, which sounds like a long time, but I wasn't in any sort of hurry. (laughs) No. And I mean, you, you hit something. I mean, every dog's a little different. Some are quick, some are long. And you know, the method that you're using is not, I want, I don't want to say popular, but not a lot of people are able, you know, and you had one thing going for you. You, you were able to use Zara's food motivation to get her to do a task. And, you know, sometimes, we've had five-year-old dogs here before and it's just like hitting a brick wall because they're, you know, they're, they're older, they're set in their ways, they're stubborn. They're like, I'm not doing this. I don't have to do it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter how long it takes. And, and the thing is you, you said you weren't consistent to begin with, but then I think, you know, as you start going through it and you see her progressing and you see her, the light bulb clicking, it's, it's rewarding to know, okay, I've done this all and it's been with minimal amount of pressure because she's food motivated. So I think that's pretty special and something to be really proud of. Thanks. Yeah. And she, yeah, she did start to pick it up and, you know, she would get to the point where she would, you know, I had never, I not used any pressure at this point and she would, I tell her to fetch, she would go get it, bring it to me. I was able to get her to hold it and, you know, sit next to me and not drop it. But it eventually reached the point where I realized I was going to have to use some sort of pressure to just, you know, kind of reinforce, reinforce. Um, so I decided to use the e-collar to overlay, um, on, you know, the fetch command. Uh, so I did that using a, you know, low stimulation, but it definitely did the trick and I never felt like I was really, you know, she was ever shutting down or anything. There were, there were a couple weeks where it was a little, it was a little dicey. I could definitely tell she was not loving the whole pressure thing. Um, <laughs> no, but, but I think that brings up a good point though. You know, you, you knew what level of stimulation was going to get results. And, you know, you said it the lowest level because, you know, some people crank it up there and it's like, okay, you're pressuring the dog into, into doing something, you know, and with her being a little bit older, but you never cranked it up. You kept it at that level and, and, Sometimes it just takes a little bit longer to to see those results, but you knew that, okay, this is Zara's, you know, level of stimulation that she's able to handle and, and appropriately and not trying to go above and beyond that because you didn't want her to shut down. So that's, that's important to know and be able to read your dog too. Yeah. So then I'd say about between nine months to a year after I'd started, um, she was very reliable with fetching. So then I could, you know, I had a, I had a stockpile of dead birds and ducks in my freezer by that point. (laughs) (laughs) I was using those as well. And, um, since then now it's so funny because she used to have zero interest in retrieving and now she loves to retrieve. Like it's happy. (laughs) She's wagging her tail. She's proud. She's proud to bring you back. And, um, I was going to, so, you know, talking about getting it in Avda and such, I want you to tell everybody, and this story sticks out in my head so bad because we're, we're going off to the left, but that's okay, <laughs> about your road trip and adventure to get ducks for training day. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> I had, I had written that down as something I had to talk about because it is hilarious. Um, so yeah, this is jumping forward a little bit, but by 2019, that summer, I had decided that I was going to train for the utility test. And we, the Tar Heel chapter, um, and you and Scott had had some extra training days leading up to the test. And at that time we were really having a lot of trouble finding ducks for sale. (laughs) So (laughs) we were at one of these training days and I think you and I were looking on Craigslist for ducks. Oh yeah. Craigslist, (laughs) marketplace, wherever we could find them. Cause like you said, they were first, well, I, I don't know if it was that year, the gentleman that we used to get them from, um, in Kingston, um, he would sell a lot to some of the big lab trainers out towards um, the East Coast, and he just stopped selling them. Like he was like, "I'm done with this. I'm I'm 
I'm not doing it anymore. And we're like, oh crap, this is where we've been getting ducks for the last few years. And yeah, at training, I think we were at a training day or an extra training day and we're both on our phones like, oh my gosh, looking at trying to find ducks from Raleigh to Fayetteville. (laughs) <laughs> yes. So I, I find this person who has listed that she's like 20 minutes away from where I live in Raleigh and she's got um, seven ducks for sale. So I email her and I'm like, I'll take them all. <laughs> so she's like, okay. So I drive to her house and I have this, I still have my Honda Fit at the time. Um, so I pick up the, du- the ducks in this dog crate that I have, small dog crate. <laughs> and this lady is like, you know, on the way there, I'm kind of freaking out because I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible liar. So <laughs> I'm like, what happens if this lady asks me what I'm going to use these ducks for starts asking a lot of questions? Like I cannot lie to her. I'm not going to be able to, like, I need a story to tell. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to say that I'm picking them up for my friend who has a farm, which is true. Cause I was thinking of you and Scott, like you already raised ducks. Okay. <laughs> so I, I get there. And like, that. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, she does not ask a lot of questions, but she's like picking up these ducks, putting them in my crate, and she's literally kissing them goodbye, like, bye, so bye, duck, bye, have a good life. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to get out of here soon. <laughs> I need to leave before she starts asking me questions. <laughs> so I take them home, and uh, I think my husband was leaving for a business trip that day, and he come home with these ducks, and he's just like, what in the world? And I'm like, Bye. See you. Just go on your trip. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Have you lost your mind? No, don't worry about it, honey. I I just have seven ducks in this crate. No big deal. So I drive back to your house uh, the next day because we were doing another training day. And again, I have my Honda Fit and I have both Zara and my Ridgeback in my Honda Fit. So I have two crates, two big crates that take up my entire back hatchback area of the car. My Fit did not have a trailer hitch on it. So I literally had this crate of ducks riding <laughs> in my passenger seat in my car and I come up to your house and Scott is just like oh my god there's ducks riding shotgun in I your car like, um, I'm thinking okay she's got the crates and I know how small at that time because you have a new vehicle now but yeah. at the time I'm like okay well wait she went to get ducks where are the ducks I don't see them like <laughs> like you say on the back of the car and I'm like oh my god she put them in her car with her. I was like, she has no clue how dirty and stinky these little ducks can be because they are just the nastiest. They, oh my God, they poop everywhere and they're just, they're just gross birds, unfortunately. Oh yes. I, I had put a tarp down and I think a towel there. Was, it wasn't too bad, but there was definitely some cleaning that needed to be done. I remember, I think you, I had asked you after, I was like, did you have to go take um, your car to go get detailed because they had pooped all down the side and on the, on the door handle and oh my goodness yeah I really tried to clean it up before my husband got home <laughs> you were you're helping us out though team player so that was that that is the, one of the funniest stories I think that oh my goodness when I think about you that's the story that comes to mind the, the ducks yeah. and the shotgun <laughs> yes <laughs> so you go get these ducks now and in you know, throughout the story, you're kind of hearing, okay, you started out, I'm, I'm not hunting with this dog and now we're progressing and we're picking up ducks <laughs> and we're getting really involved with NAVDA and the Tar Heel chapter. So kind of walk us through, um, you know, Zara's progression, you had completed force fetch with her and, and now kind of walk us through. So you're getting ready to do the utility test. So kind of walk us through, you know, the first time that you tested Zara and, and her utility test. Yeah. So I tested her in October, 2019. Um, she was about to turn six. And at that point she was probably right on the edge of being steady in the field. I had just started using the e-collar to kind of (coughs) reinforce woe because again, I was always very hesitant of using pressure. Sure. Um, so leading up to the test, I wasn't quite sure how she was going to do. I was really worried about the field work. Um, and everything else I was feeling pretty good about. So the day of the test, she went out in the field and she did great. She was really steady. I think on probably four out of the five birds, she might've broken on one of the shots, but she did just great. And I was so relieved and, (laughs) (laughs) um, and it, and it was really hot that day and she did well despite the heat. And then we got to the duck search and 
I, I wouldn't say I had trained, you know, some sort of methodical plan for her getting her to do a four duck search, but you know, she had done a bunch of duck searches before and I was feeling like she definitely would go out and start looking around and stuff. So when it came to that day, I don't know if it was a heat or what, but she just did not want to go and she just would not go out. She'd go out, she'd come back. We were throwing rocks and I was just so upset because I knew that, you know, we didn't, we definitely were not getting a four for sure, but I, I didn't think she did well at all. And then we finished out the day doing the duck drag and the steady by the blind. And those were fine. Um, and then when it came time to the scores we read, she did not pass, <laughs> which wow. she got a one in duck search and you have to get at least a two to pass. And I was very upset, understandably. Um, of course, but yeah. Her, her, her other scores though, were pretty much all prize one level. So that was, you know, after some time, I realized that was pretty awesome, especially for training such, you know, a, someone that was so new to it and having trained an older dog. Um, yeah, so I, think, it, I think you just nailed that. You know, she was she was older, brand new to it. I mean, granted, now she didn't get a, a passing score, but like you said, in all the ca- other categories, she was, you know, in a prize one contention. That duck search just kind of messed her up a little bit. And, you know, I think a big thing, to kind of talk about is you never know what's going on in that dog's head at that day. Again, they're animals. So you never know. Um, it could have been, you, she could have smelled something at the bank. It, it could have been anything. Um, weather, um, there's so many different things that could have been, you know, kind of going through her mind. And a big thing too, um, is, is your body language or your, anxiety maybe because you were kind of nervous going into it maybe she was feeding off of that but Mm -hmm. um I think a lot of people um you know are so hard on themselves and I know I'm guilty of it too and and you are (laughs) but it's just like we we want them to do so well um and sometimes we just you know even though she didn't pass um we take it for granted because the the things that she did do well at you know for an older dog and you bring brand new um would were something to be really proud of so yeah, definitely. Um, so we, yeah, we took a little time off from water work, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, we, we, last year we did AKC senior hunter tests, um, and we got our senior hunter title. And then in 2020, uh, after the pandemic had subsided slightly, we were going to start training again. And then I decided to test her again this past year and she got a prize too. Uh, again, duck search was not her, uh, <laughs> was her weakness again. She, the water this time was too cold. Yeah. It was and, a little bit chilly that time of year for sure. She, yeah. She didn't really want to go in right away. Um, but eventually she did and we ended up getting a three. So uh, again, I was still pretty upset and hard on myself because I was hoping for that prize one. But, um, you know, you just, you never know what's going to happen on test day. <laughs> no, and, and you don't. And, you know, you have an amazing dog. Zara is at that time, was she seven when you tested her or was she still six? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, this year she was about to turn seven. seven. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, just think about that, all the work you had put into her and you're like, yeah, I'm never, I'm never going to do any hunting with her or anything. And, you know, look at all the accomplishments you guys have done. I mean, you've done NAVDA utility, you've done AKC, the senior, and, and now you're working on your master hunt title. Um, and kind of walk us through. So after you completed that kind of what, what made you start wanting to go hunting? Like when did you get your first gun? Um, was it after that experience or walk us through that a little bit? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I'd never been hunting before and even being around a lot of NAV to people that hunted, I just didn't really have a whole lot of interest in it. I was kind of like, you know, I get my dog and pen raise birds. Like, isn't this good enough? (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, uh, last year, I guess in December, 2019, um, my friend Emily invited me to go hunting with her and woodcock hunting. So we took Zara and her dog out and her dog found a bunch of birds and Zara did not really know what we were out there doing. I don't think, um, because <laughs> woodcock hunting is a little different than a lot of other upland birds. Cause you're in the woods. And from what I've heard, they smell different than other birds like quail and chucker. Yeah. That's so, right. That's right. And you mentioned, yeah, you're in the woods trying to navigate through briars and all kinds of craziness. Yeah. So that was my very first experience. I did not, I did not own a gun at that point. Um, but then, you know, throughout 2020, I just started getting a little more 
kind of interested in learning about hunting and I started listening to some podcasts and talking to people. And then with the pandemic, I was like, you know, hunting is a pretty good socially distant activity. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. <take> <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I had started to get interested in buying my first shotgun and I had never, I'd shot clays once before, but had not done it any other times, but I was able to do a little bit of research and I actually talked to uh, white who you had on last time. And she helped me, she gave me some advice on what to look for in a shotgun and like how to fit one to, you know, me being a woman. So I visited a bunch of different gun shops and had a lot of trouble finding something that fit me, but I finally was able to uh, find a gun, a 20 gauge that I brought bought in October of this year. Awesome. And, um, I'd already had a hunting license since I had to do that, um, the previous year for NAVDA. And so, yeah, in November, uh, when the Virginia season opened, I just decided to buy a Virginia hunting license because I live about an hour from the Virginia border. And I, Zara and I went up there, we were looking for woodcock and quail and, um, we did not find any birds. (laughs) (laughs) But then I had another experience where I met up with Emily again and her dog, pointed a woodcock and Zara was able to get in there and smell it and see it. So after that, she started really the next couple of times I took her out, she was, you know, pointing them and starting to really kind of get it. And, um, I actually, by some miracle shot my first woodcock in early January. <laughs> I know I'm still so jealous. I need, I need to up my game. Cause we've been out together. We've, we've been to the clay target place near us. And I think I hit one or two and you were smoking it. I'm like, man, she just started doing this. I've been doing this for a little longer, but I suck. <laughs> and well, I think, uh, I think I hit four out of 25. So I don't know about smoking uh, it, but <laughs> well, you did better than me, <laughs> but those birds, um, we, we actually got to go this year with um Stephen Faust um out towards Uari um mm-hmm. and those birds let me tell you I had one good clean shot like there was no trees in my way it was a perfectly clear like breakaway shot and I freaking still missed and I'm like man we're, <laughs> like the literally the bird like we the dogs went on point and this was a weird experience because they weren't our dogs they were his dogs and mm. didn't have our dogs so we're just out there and they go on point and he ends up like the birds literally I almost stepped on because they're so camouflaged <laughs> with the leaves yeah. and he threw down his hat. I'm like, what What the heck is he doing? And I'm like, not even ready to shoot. I pull up my gun and it's literally like no trees, no nothing. There's just the bird and I shoot. And of course, yeah, I miss and I'm like, <laughs> come on. But shooting or shooting, hunting those birds are so challenging because where you have to go, they like water, they like, (laughs) they like nasty cover. And it's just like, you're getting torn up with briars. I had cuts all over my arms that day and trying to keep up with all those guys walking. I'm like, okay, I'll just be back here by myself. You guys, (laughs) you go ahead, but it's hard. So that's so awesome that you got to do that. And like, just to see your progression from where, you started out just to coming to training days and Zara had on her vest or her, her coat <laughs> or whatever it may be. And just like getting involved. And like, I know for me, when they told me in the utility test, I have to carry a gun and I have to actually shoot the gun. I'm like, what the heck? Like, I got to <laughs> figure this out. And I know, you know, I'm not going to speak for you, but kind of like, I want to ask you, so what did you think? Like when, um, I don't know who it may have been at training day, but when they're like, Hey, you know, you have to shoot this gun for the city by bind sequence. You have to carry this gun in the field was like, what, what was going through your head when, when people were asking you or telling you about that? So I was pretty freaked out because at the time, <laughs> like I just like guns just really like bothered me. Like I wasn't comfortable around them. Um, you know, I didn't, I, when I first got my blank pistol, like even owning that freaked me out. Like I was handled that thing so carefully, like put it in its little box, (laughs) (laughs) even though there's like, it's, you know, plugged at the end, it can't shoot anything. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think at one of the first training days, um, Stacy Horst, who's one of our members, she was kind of helping me and we were holding the, I guess like 12 gauge single shot shotgun that we use for, for steady by the blind. And, you know, I, I was like, is this going to kick? I don't know about it. And she was like, it's okay. Like, I think she was kind of like holding it, you know, holding it, kind of supporting it with me. Like she was actually helping, helping me. Hold you. It. I think, yeah. I think I remember. And, 
you know, that was my big first question. Is this thing going to kick? Because, like, I'm so sensitive to it. Not necessarily now because I've gotten used to it, but still, like, and using those blanks that are so loud, like, everyone's like, oh, no, it's not going to kick. But it kicks. And, like, <laughs> if you're not used to that and then you're not having it in the right you know, place because people at training day hold that gun. However, you know, it's not really like located in the spot that it's supposed to be when you're typically shooting, like mm -hmm. if you're out hunting or whatever. And yeah, that can be really intimidating to someone that's brand new. You're probably thinking like, what the heck is, what do we have to do now? <laughs> yeah, it definitely was. And even like later on, I would still struggle like breaking it open and like closing it, like just the force that was required. You know, I'm not like a, a big person. So it was hard for me to even do that. But Thankfully, I've gotten a little more used to it now. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And that's so awesome that you and Zara got to experience that and get your first woodcock. And I hope next year we'll be able to get out together and, and take Falco out with Zara. And hopefully he's actually like paying attention and not just trying to <laughs> sniff her butt. And we get to go out. And um, I know you've got to go out with some of the other Tar Heel members this past season. And um, actually, grouse season's still in, so we may be able to, but... Unfortunately, we are on puppy duty, so I'm not sure if we'll be able to get out. But we still have until I think the end of February um, yeah. that, that grouse season goes out. So maybe we'll be able to to catch some, but we have to go far for those to the mountains, unfortunately. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so kind of in closing, I want you to tell us a little, like maybe, I know we talked about one funny story, but if there's any funny stories or um, any good stories that you like to share about like you and Zara's adventure, or maybe like a tip for somebody just starting out, um, whatever you'd like to share kind of thing. Sure. Um, I don't know if I have any other funny stories, although I'm sure there's others I just can't think of, but I would just say like, if you're new to this or getting into it, like patience and hard work definitely go a really long way. Like I, you know, I had a very food motivated dog that was willing to work with me and that helped a lot with the retrieving and, you know, just kind of taking the long, the long road. Like I wasn't in any sort of hurry to get her to the utility test or even, you know, even to these field trials, which I still haven't even competed in a field trial yet. Um, but I think that just goes a long way. And, um, which is not to say that genetics don't, I think that has been like our saving grace this whole time. Like if Zara had not been from such a good background with good like bird hunting genetics, you know, we probably would not have gotten this far because, you know, there's been so many things that I feel like I've, I've just done everything wrong or I've messed her up. And <laughs> you know, I think a lot of that genetics just really has kind of filled in the gaps. Thank God, because, you know, I certainly have not done everything the right way myself. Um, no, but. I think that brings up a good point, though. I mean, you put in the time, the dedication, and like you didn't give up until you're like, okay, this is this is what we need to do, type of thing. And just knowing that you know there is no timeline, that's a really good point because I think so. So many people are so like, I have to have a utility prize one at this age. I have to have the or NA. Let me back up. NA at this age, UT this age, and I have to have a VC by this age. And sometimes you just have that coincidental like luck of the draw type of thing and um they pass as a vc at a very young age um and i think some of that like you said is genetics but there's no timeline of when you have to do this like you said you have zara she's seven and and you're still doing things with her and it's i think so many people just get so set on timelines and it's not important and i think emily's kind of on that as well like when my dog's ready she'll be ready. And, um, mm -hmm. there's no having to push or, or force it, you know, just kind of let the dog mature and, um, and, and be ready when it is. I think that's a really, that's a really good point. Yeah. And I think just, you know, especially NABDA I found has been very open and welcoming. You know, you don't have to necessarily own a pickup truck and a shotgun <laughs> to get started <laughs> in the bird dog world. No, you don't. You don't. You definitely don't. Like you're kind of a testament to that. You, you know, you showed up in your little um, crossover, little hatchback car and, you know, now you have a bigger vehicle, but you don't need all those things. Eventually they will come when, when you feel comfortable. Um, that's a, that's a big thing that, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else that you want to add, Terry Ann? No, I thank you so much for having me on this. It's definitely been fun chatting. Yeah. I want to thank you for coming on to share your story with Zara. 
Um, we will look forward to next month and many more women's stories about training their dog and the ventures that they've been on so far. Thanks, Terry Ann. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just have to replace it again and year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.